Okay, let's look at our scripture. This is Luke 1, 26 through 38. It's about Mary, and it's entitled, A Woman, My Sermon, A Woman of Faith. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The word of the Lord. How did you get here? Now, I'm not talking about today when perhaps you had to move heaven and earth to gather your family and get here. I'm talking more about how did you get here to this city, sitting, sitting next to that person with those children? In other words, how did I become the person that I am today? You know, a lot of things in our life happen that are beyond our control. But who I am is how I responded to those situations that presented themselves to me, right? The doors I walked through, the doors I chose not to walk through, the choices that I made determined my path. And in front of us, we see a very young woman who is confronted with a choice, a door to walk through or a door to elect not to walk through. Two paths, a life saturated with God, headed into the unknown, or a life that she thought and believed was her best life. What does she do? We all know how the story ends, right? She walked through a door of surrender to God. I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me according to your word. See, Mary found her life by saying no to her life and yes to the life in her. Mary shows us that Christmas is a door, a choice. Where will we find our dreams, our life, in our dreams and our goals? Or saying yes to the one who holds our dreams and goals. Like Mary, we find life by saying no to our life and yes to his life. We're going to look at three things. We're going to look at, number one, God's appearing to Mary through the angel Gabriel. 
Then we're going to examine Mary's response, the choice that she made. And finally, we're going to look at our own hearts. What is our response to the door of Christmas? Let's begin with point number one, that God appears to Mary. We see in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, and the virgin's name was Mary. The sixth month is referring to Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, an older, an old woman who uh, Zechariah was the husband, and she was to give birth to, uh, uh, to John the Baptist. And so it's the sixth month. And when you think of the Christmas story, it makes sense that John the Baptist would be born to Elizabeth and Zechariah, who was a priest, right? That's the way God has done things in the past to, uh, to uh, help women who are old and barren to conceive. But the story is changed here with Mary, an ordinary girl with a common name, Miriam in Hebrew. And this angel comes to Mary, who is living in Nazareth, somewhat of a backward town in the northern part of Israel. And we see that Mary is a virgin, betrothed to a man. This would put Mary somewhere between 14 and 16 years old. We know that Mary was poor. She was betrothed to Joseph. And notice Joseph has no second name. He has no title. He's not a rich young ruler. He's a builder. Mary would have had no education, really, to speak of. She was living her ordinary life, following in the path that women have followed for hundreds of years, her mother and her grandmother and her great-grandmother. A husband had been picked out for Mary. Uh, the father of Mary had chosen a righteous man, which probably means that they were God-fearing, righteous uh, family as well. Righteous doesn't mean that they were without sin, but rather they worshiped God and sought to follow him. And so Mary was getting ready to be married to an upstanding member of the community, a, a builder. The financial arrangement had been taken care of, and they were in the year-long betrothal process, meaning technically they were married, but they were not to consummate that marriage until about a year later, while he prepared uh, a room either in uh, his uh, father's house or another house for them. How well did Mary and Joseph know each other? We don't really know. But it's quite possible they did not know each other that well at all. Certainly, they'd never been alone together. And so Mary was like other girls her age, dreaming of her own house, of her wedding, maybe kids, and a life together. Mary, in essence, was like us, unbelievably normal. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. This word favor means to endue with special honor, to bless. You need to understand that Mary lived in a culture where honor was paramount. And these kinds of words were for people of positions or power or people of age not for 14-year-old unmarried poor girls. But God's messenger, Gabriel, said, Greetings, 
O favored one, the Lord is with you. Which in essence means God is for you. He's not against you, he's for you. Sure, Mary was thinking to herself, God is for me. He, He doesn't even know my name. I mean, I'm not educated. I'm not a priest. I'm not anyone of note. When Mary heard these words, we see that she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. See, my friends, you need to understand that God has not spoken to anyone in the nation of Israel for 400 years. And this angel shows up and speaks these words to Mary. And when angels show up, people are are typically terrified, right? In the Bible, they they become like dead men. They fall over. This word greatly troubled uh, is the same word used for when you go and you look at the sea and the sea is stirred up. You know, if you ever walk down to the boardwalk when there's a storm and you see the waters, that's Mary's soul inside of her. She's terrified. She's reeling from these words. And the angel says to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. The angel reassures her, says you have found favor with God. Notice the angel did not say you have earned favor with God, right? You have found favor. The favor that God is bringing to Mary does not come from Mary's efforts, but rather from God's heart. For what has Mary done? The answer is nothing. Mary is the recipient of grace. Grace is coming into the world. And Jesus came full of grace and truth and is giving this grace, this unmerited favor and love of God to Mary. And the angel says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. All of these words would come Uh, back to Mary, because Mary, even though she was not educated, she had been to synagogue all of her life. And she would have known the stories of the Messiah, the one that God was to send, the one who sits in the line of his father, David. But we hear these, she hears these new words that he is the son of the most high, that he is God's son, this one who is coming, and that he will reign forever. In other words, he's immortal, and his kingdom will have no boundaries. It will span the face of the earth. And furthermore, this one, the Messiah who is coming, is going to be my son and come through my womb, and I will be his mother. Remember, to have children back then, particularly sons, was the highest honor of a woman. And what God is essentially saying to her is, I will give you the highest honor that any woman has ever been given. 
to bear the Son of God. What would you be thinking if you were Mary? What did I do to deserve this? I'm nobody. Living in a nowhere town, living a nobody life. Why me? God came and found Mary. Mary wasn't looking for God, but God was looking for Mary. See, that's what Christmas is all about, isn't it? God invading our space, coming up close, uncomfortably close, so much so that life cannot be the same. Christmas signals God coming near to us. And the first person he came near to was Mary. The Bible says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This birth of Jesus was not a temporary visit by God, but the establishment of a permanent residency. I don't know if you've ever read the first part of the Gospel of Matthew, which was written to the Jewish people. And it's, uh, it says the genealogy of Jesus Christ. But the actual word, the Greek word, is Genesis. The Genesis of Jesus Christ. And the Jews hearing that word would have thought back to the creation of the world. The birth of Jesus signals the Genesis of a new humanity, a new irrevocable change in humanity that stems from the birth of the Son of God. And the door in which Jesus came to you and to me was through the womb of Mary. The angel reassures Mary. Verse 36, even your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. For nothing will be impossible with God. You see, in Jesus, the impossible becomes possible. I mean, when we think of the Mary story, of course it makes sense, right? Because we've heard it again and again. Of course, Jesus would be born to a virgin, a young virgin in the middle of nowhere, and she would raise the Son of God. But stuff like that doesn't happen around here. But you see, that's exactly the point, isn't it? Mary wasn't rich. She wasn't educated. She wasn't connected. She wasn't popular. She wasn't wise. She was just a teenager. What the Christmas story tells us is that God coming near doesn't just happen in places like Nazareth, but in places like Suffolk or Pungo or Virginia Beach. God invading the lives of ordinary people like Ken or Ann or Betty or Carlos. Jesus came through Mary so he could come close to us. Christmas not only reminds us that God came near, but God is near. 
As I was putting together this sermon and thinking about this point, I thought of my oldest son, Mark. Some of you know that uh, Mark uh, died when he was 17. Uh, but Mark had a, a very, very unique and powerful and intimate relationship with God. And uh, we, uh, Mark used to keep a journal, and we put together his journals and, and uh, uh, the book, The Extraordinary, Ordinary Life of Mark Rodriguez. And I thought I'd read you uh, a journal entry because Mark would speak to God, and God would speak back to him, and he would write down what God said to him. And so Mark in this passage here is, is, uh, has a lot of, um, what's the word, passion and desire for the people in his grade to be unified together and to see, see Jesus and to have a relationship with Jesus. And this is what God said to him. My child, I see so much potential in you. The gifts, the passions that you have are meant to open people's eyes and to unify them. You've been pondering being in a position of leadership for a long time now, and you've also been saddened by the lack of unity among your peers. Son, it is time. Unity will not spontaneously occur. It needs a catalyst. You are a catalyst. Mark, your peers, even adults, look up to you. You have been given wisdom, passion, and the sense of joy and peace to share with them. You are ready. Grab hold of your gifts with both hands, Mark. Unleash the love from within you. You are free. Don't be afraid. If you fall, I will catch you and help you back to your feet. I promise. Now rise up. Mark was 15 years old when he heard that. See, my friends, nothing is impossible with God. So what do you feel is impossible in your life? Maybe you think, I could never know Jesus like Mary knew Jesus. God's not interested in an intimate, personal relationship with me. I'm just a stay-at-home parent in Great Neck. I'm just an electrician. I'm just a sixth grader at Oak Tree Academy. Sure, I can know about Jesus, but to really know him. See, if you believe that, you've missed the whole point of Christmas, because that's exactly what he came to do. Mary was a nobody, but Mary heard and responded to the call of God. And so we must respond as well to open our heart to the call of God to come into our heart. This world is so busy and so noisy and so unbelieving that it's easy to have no room in the inn of your heart for the Savior. But God wants us to allow ourselves to be found to believe that Jesus has come into the world. Jesus came in his physical presence so he could be in our spiritual presence. He wants us to visit with him every day, like I do, to go out to my treehouse in the morning to talk to God 
And guess what? He talks back. He has meant us for a personal, intimate relationship with him. So hear the message of Christmas and respond. This brings me to my second point, Mary's response. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? I think this is a valid question, by the way. Notice that Mary was not reproved for her question. Unlike Zechariah, the priest, Zechariah's uh, question was much more, how can this be? While Mary's was, how will this be? It wasn't that Mary didn't believe, she just didn't know how it was going to happen. I love how God doesn't rebuke Mary for her question. He doesn't say to her, no, Mary, you must exercise blind faith. God wants us to believe with our hearts and with our minds. That's why he gave us a mind. But God answers with an incredible answer. The angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. This language of the Holy Spirit coming upon and overshadowing her is very similar to that of Genesis 1-2, where the Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the deep, over the earth. What God is saying is that the Holy Spirit will create this child in you so that the Father will be God. You will have a child even though you've never been with a man. I mean, that's unbelievable, right? And that's why God tells her of Elizabeth. He's reminding her of all the times in the past when God has worked in impossible ways to make the impossible possible. In other words, nothing is impossible with God, even this, Mary. But I'm sure when Mary asks the question, how will this be? She's not asking just physically, how is this going to pass? But how is this going to work out in my life. She's thinking of the consequences of her life. I mean, nobody's going to believe this, right? She lives in an honor, shame culture. People will believe the worst of her and she will be shunned. What about Joseph? Will he divorce her? What about her family? Will they turn her out? See, up to this point, Mary has had a vision of her life. And certainly we can relate to that, right? We all have a vision for our life, but the way we hope it's going to turn out. We have dreams and we have goals. But the angel is saying, God has a different vision for you. A different path. You are to be the mother of the son of God. And how is that going to work out? God doesn't say, right? The scriptures can be very flat in that they don't give us all of the information. We don't know what's going on in Mary's mind, but we must know that wheels are turning, right? How do I respond to this? Should I be like Zachariah and simply say, I, 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 I don't believe? Should I be like Moses and say, oh God, send someone else? Should I be like the Israelite people and walk away and worship 
some other God. What is Mary to do? And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. This word behold is hard to translate, but it's kind of like saying, so be it. It's like Mary's taking a deep breath and saying, okay, I'm in. What she's saying to God is, let it happen to me. I embrace this path. My body for your son. My future for your plan. My dreams for your goals. And the reason she's saying it is because she knows I am the servant of the Lord. This word servant literally means bond slave. In other words, Mary is saying, I belong to you, God. Not my will, but yours. Mary chose her path. She had to decide between two paths, a life centered on herself or a life devoted to God. And Mary chose correctly. You know, we think of Mary's choice as extraordinary and brave. But it is only so because so many choose a life where they themselves are the center. When you think about it, Mary made the wise and rational choice. Because the reality is, my friends, we were not designed to live for ourselves. The path of living for ourselves is emptiness and misery. I mean, in some ways, it seems counterintuitive, right? Who knows my needs more than me? Who is going to care about me more than me? Well, the answer, of course, is God. God knows our needs more than we do and takes better care of us than we do ourselves. Christianity at its core is eminently rational. Now, I want us to take a quiz, and we actually have three pictures. I don't know. I didn't go over this, but what is this right here that we're looking at? You with the head. It's a basketball, right? Okay, what's the purpose of a basketball? To play basketball with. Okay? All right, so far, so good. How about the next slide? What's this? It's an iPhone, right? It's the purpose of an iPhone. Purpose of an iPhone is to waste time. No, that's not true. <laughs> purpose of an iPhone, at its core, is to talk, right? It's a communications device. My final question. What is this? It's a human being. A human being was designed for a specific purpose to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We were made in the image of God for the glory of God. See, it was our decision to put ourselves at the center of our life that plunged this world into sin and misery. For we were made to love God with all of our heart and our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus has come to free us from a self-centered life 
by bringing us the object worthy of our heart's devotion, which is himself. Jesus could not have put it more plainly. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Mary saw the choice and she walked through the door. She gave Christ a home in her body, raising him as his mother, caring for him. And Mary, this 14-year-old virgin, virgin gives us a path, a vision of the life and the door that we must walk through as well. Jesus did not come through Christmas to be remembered. He came to be worshipped. He came to give you an object worthy of all of your affection and love and obedience. And like Mary, the call to follow him is a call into the unknown. For he is in charge of your life and will take you into places you've never dreamed of. But who can take care of you better than the one who made you? This is the call of Christmas, to worship the king. So what is your response to Jesus? Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. What say you? I am the Lord's partner. It's a 50-50 proposition. We're going into business together, right? He does his part. I do my part. I am the Lord's boss. He is here to serve me and to give me what I want. I am the Lord's project. Yes, I'm hot and I'm cold. Sometimes I'm in, sometimes I'm not. We're working this thing out. Or I am the Lord's servant. Let my life be his. Wherever, whenever, however. What if you lived this way? What if you followed in the path of Mary? Where would it take you? I have no idea. But I know that you would live a life with peace. I know that you would live a life with power. And I know that you would live a life with purpose. Because we find life by saying no to our life. And yes to his life. So this brings me to my final point, our response. You may be saying right now as you hear me speaking, how can I live this way? It's too risky. It's too dangerous. Better to play it safe. The answer is we look to Jesus. If anyone demonstrated in his life devotion to his father, it would be Jesus. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of God and to accomplish his work. In Psalm 48, he says, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. Jesus describes following God and his will and his ways as his food and his delight. Even though Jesus knows that the path that the Lord is leading on Will, leading him on, will lead to death. Jesus knows and has confidence in his father that the path that he has him on will lead not only to death, but through death and resurrection. For nothing is impossible 
with God. Isaiah 53, 11 says, after the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. How could Jesus walk this path? How could Mary? The Lord is with him. And if you want to follow Christ, the Lord is with you. And his favor is upon you. His grace, his love to people like you and me who do not deserve it. You want to know joy this Christmas season? If you want to know peace and fulfillment in this life, it is found in entrusting all of yourself to the person of Jesus Christ. For this Christmas, Jesus says to you, I want to invade your life and take up residence and work through you to transform the world. So do not be satisfied this Christmas with Christmas presents or fond memories and notions of Jesus Christ. Rather, don't be satisfied with anything less than total surrender. For to get all of him, we must give all of us. Mary found her life by saying no to her life and yes to the life in her. And we too will find life by saying no to our life and yes to his. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, thank you that you came through the womb of Mary to come near to us, to be our king and the proper recipient of all our heart's affection. For you are the one that we were made for. God, let us, like Mary, say, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me this Christmas story, this gospel, this good news, as you have said, only draw near to us and be with us and never forsake us. What we desire more than anything this Christmas is you. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we continue our worship through our offering. Uh, we have placed offering plates in the foyer. If you wish to give your offering, you may do so after the service on the way out. If you are new to Redeemer, don't feel compelled to give uh, in any way by us. Uh, rather, as the Spirit directs you. We're just glad that you're here with us today. Let us pray. God, we pray that you would use this offering uh, to continue to uh, strengthen and build up the ministries in this church uh, as we take upon the sacred quest and command uh, to go into all the world, world and to make disciples. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>